from the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Welcome to this Tuesday edition of Washington Watch. Coming up, more evidence has come from a whistleblower that the FBI has targeted churches with undercover operations. Categorically, categorically, you said we do not, we do not go to priests and ask them about their parishioners. You said we do not. You didn't say we haven't. You didn't say we won't. You said we don't. As it turns out, you do. And you kept it from the public. You deliberately misled Congress about it. And the only reason we know about it is because a whistleblower came forward. That was Missouri Senator Josh Hawley earlier today on the Senate Judiciary Committee with FBI Director Christopher Wray. Senator Hawley joins us later. Also, there's an all-out push to secure the additional 70-plus billion dollars in military aid to Ukraine. Our Republican friends are saying they'll defend democracy only at a price unacceptable to Democrats. And the price is forcing Congress to accept radical immigration policies that come straight from Donald Trump. That was Senate Scare Leader Chuck Schumer today, but without changes at America's southern border to stem illegal and dangerous immigration that we've talked about on this program into the United States. Additional aid for Ukraine, quite frankly, is looking unlikely. We're going to talk about it with Texas Congressman Keith Self in just a moment. And here's one for the I can't believe my ears column. If we can't hear Mother Nature and can't judge with our own eyes, what the science is telling us. This is not about politics. There's no ideology. There's no pejorative against any one business or any approach. There is simply mathematics and physics and some chemistry and biology. That is what we are acting on. Uh, That was climate czar John Kerry pontificating at the UN Climate Conference in Dubai about climate change. Now, this this coming from the same administration that is decimating women's sports because they can't tell the biological difference between a male and a female. Men do not belong in women's sports. There should be no debate about this. However, we are here today because the Biden administration is choosing to ignore the truth. And I might add the science. That was Congresswoman Lisa McLean at a House Oversight and Accountability Committee hearing this afternoon on Title IX and women's sports. We're going to talk with a female athlete about the impact these policies are having on college sports. Macy Petty, a college volleyball player, joins us later. And finally, let the American people decide. We want the American people to draw their own conclusions. I don't think partisan elected officials in Washington should present a narrative and expect that it should be uh, seen as as the ultimate truth on it when we know that they hid certain elements. The release of the January 6th tapes is a critical and important uh, exercise. We want transparency. That was House Speaker Mike Johnson commenting today on his decision to release the tapes of January the 6th. We're going to discuss the importance of releasing these tapes with Arizona Congressman Andy Biggs. Our word for today comes from John chapter 15. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. You know, as we abide in Christ, taking on his nature and his character, our lives become productive for the kingdom of God. But that's not the end of the matter. As we abide in Christ, like Christ, 
we can expect opposition from the world. He went on to say in verse 18, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. He who hates me hates my father also, Jesus said. Now, here's an uncomfortable truth. The hatred we see today toward Jews and Christians is ultimately rooted in a hatred and a rejection of God himself. For more on our journey through the Bible, go to frc.org Bible. Ukraine President Vladimir Zelensky spoke by remote video to members of the U.S. Senate today, making a direct appeal for aid just a day after the White House warned lawmakers that money and weapons for Ukraine is in short supply. Democrat Senate leader Chuck Schumer has scheduled a Senate vote tomorrow for supplemental spending that includes $61 billion from, for Ukraine. So far, this effort has stalled as Republicans continue to insist that Ukraine spending be coupled with a border plan to drastically reduce the chaos and the danger at our southern border. Joining me now to discuss this, Congressman Keith Self. He serves on the House Foreign Affairs Committee and the House Veterans Affairs Committee. He represents the 3rd Congressional District of Texas. Congressman Self, welcome back to the program. Great to be here, Tony. Great to see you. Tony, great to see you. Good to, see, to see you, you. as great well. Uh, tell us the, the latest on the negotiations regarding border security that uh, the House leadership is saying is going to have to be coupled with any type of aid for Ukraine. Uh, well, I'm not sure. The, the negotiations are going between the leadership of the Senate and the House. Uh, but I will tell you, there is a strong move here that uh, Ukraine, if it's tied to the border, the issue here is how do we change the behavior of a lawless president to actually enforce the laws on the books? It won't take more money. It's not more policy. It's how do we change the behavior? So this is not simple linkage to me. It's how do we enforce the border laws on the books today? I'm not interested in more policy. Right. Uh, right. Because the policy they've put in place is not working and, and, and just spending more money is not the answer either which they have put into this supplemental package as well. You're a military veteran. Um, let me ask you about the, the concerns, and I've heard a lot. I was on the Hill earlier this morning talking to, to members. There's concern. I mean, we've had, um, I think, over about $110 billion so far has gone to Ukraine. We're talking about another $60 billion going to Ukraine. There's concerns about accountability, and what's, what are the goals here? Well, you, your last point is the best point. What is the goal of the Biden administration? What is the end game? What is considered success? Uh, because we don't know. We don't know what the Biden plan is. We know that he has slow rolled weapons into Ukraine now for more than a year, uh, but we don't know what his plan is. I wish Congress had a plan for Ukraine. Then we could sort out whether we want to fund a plan or not. We have no plan. Uh, so I think that Republicans are going to take a very hard look at what we are funding, regardless of what the amount of, uh, of the bill is. So it will be tied uh, to the border, enforceable border uh, elements. But let's talk about spending for just a second, because where are France and Germany in this? Now, I will tell you the Eastern European nations, those that are truly in harm's way from Russia, they're all in. I want to know about the Western European nations. Now, the U.K. is an exception. The U.K. is doing a very good job supporting Ukraine. 
but I want to know about the large nations of Western, of Western Europe, mainly France and Germany. Congressman Self, I, I talked about this yesterday, but I'm, I'm going to throw it out there as a, as a question for you. I'm suspect of the, the those Chuck Schumer and those on the left, President Biden, who really don't have a history of being pro-military, pro-defense, pro-national security, being so enthusiastic for literally spending billions and billions of dollars in Ukraine, as you pointed out, without a clear plan. Um, yeah, uh, it, it is with no plan. Why would we spend any money? This cannot be another forever war. Uh, this cannot be a war that has no end. Uh, my constituents will tell you they want to see what a plan is. Uh, they want to know what the U.S. is about. We do not want to send money, our men, our equipment into a forever war again. And frankly, uh, we've reached a stalemate now for the winter. Um, it, it's going to be a tough winter on the Ukrainians because Russia is going to have this long-range attack against their infrastructure. I've got it. But right now, it's a stalemate. And back to, uh, back to any spending, I want to make this point very clear, Tony. The Republicans will not do a standalone Ukraine funding. We will get enforceable border uh, measures. I'm not even going to talk about policy. We're going to get enforceable border measures before we agree to anything. That's encouraging to hear. We're hearing that from some in the Senate as well. Uh, are you confident that the Republican senators will hold fast to that same commitment? Tony, I'm not confident of the Senate in any measure. Uh, I am only I am a member of the House of Representatives. We will do our job for the American people. And then we will sit down with the Senate and the Senate has already heard from the speaker. Folks, this is the way it's going to be. Funding starts in the House of Representatives. Right. Let me let me go. We're talking about funding. Let me go to another aspect of the supplemental bill, and that was $13 billion, $13, $14 billion for, for Israel. The House already passed that. You sent it over with uh, trade-offs from IRS spending. The Senate has not taken that up. They're wanting to bundle this all back together and throw it back over to the House. What's going to happen there in the House if the Senate sends this back over all bundled into one package? We're, we're not going to take it up. We have passed the bill. It sits in the Senate. Uh, the Senate uh, will vote on it or we'll, we won't take it up. It's, uh, I, I think that is very clear from the speaker. Uh, he's made that very clear. And, and I, 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 I do not see that happening. The Senate might do it. I don't think the House will take it up. I want to play a clip of Bernie Sanders, who was on the floor yesterday, complaining about the funding for for Israel. Play clip number four. For many years, the United States has provided Israel with substantial sums of money, with close to no strings attached. This blank check approach must end. The United States must make clear that while we are friends of Israel, there are conditions to that friendship. Congressman, I went back and did the math. Over the last 75 years, the United States has given 
to the United uh, to Israel for military and defense about 122 23 billion dollars a lot of money but we've already given um 110 to Ukraine in the last year in less than 2 years and we're talking about another 60 billion dollars what what's 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 going on here why the hesitancy to help Israel but all out money flowing to Ukraine I don't understand Senator Schumer. I was at the Israeli march uh, on, uh, back several weeks ago. He stood on the stage and he said, you will get what you need. And now they're balking at the bill that the House sent over. And frankly, uh, it's a difference in policy as well. Uh, Israel is a true partner. Right. They have developed the Iron Dome, David's sling and the arrow. It is a true partnership with the United States, with Israel. We don't have that same partnership with Ukraine. So let's don't conflate the two. Israel is a partner. Ukraine is not. And that's why the two bills should be separate in terms of its funding. Absolutely. And and we've got Absolutely. a long history with Israel. And, and, and we'll be very frank. I'll be very frank as a, as a Christian. Uh, I, I think we need to stand steadfastly with Israel and our Jewish friends. Uh, Congressman Keith Self, I want to thank you for joining us. Always great to see you. Thank you, Tony. Thanks for having me on. Have a great day. All right. You do the same. All right, folks, on the other side of the break, more Washington Watch. Senator Tommy Tuberville today releasing his hold on military promotions. We're going to talk about that next. Don't go away. Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clawson, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be discipling their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroic faith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroic faith. 
Men are constantly told that there is no place for their thoughts and concerns about abortion. However, this attitude ignores the fact that both women and men are deeply and personally affected by abortion. Furthermore, one does not have to be a woman to know that abortion ends the life of an innocent, unborn child. Every man has a role to play in protecting unborn lives and supporting the mothers in their families and greater community, which is why FRC's Center for Human Dignity has released a resource titled A Man's Guide to Standing for Life. This resource was created to help men positively address the topic of life. This guide will equip men with phrases to utilize or avoid, as well as practical tips for helping to protect life and the expectant mother or unborn child he knows. Every man has the opportunity to be an unborn baby's hero by stepping in to support a mother and speaking up for her child's life. Get this free guide at frc.org slash men to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives. Welcome back to Washington Watch. Good to have you with us on this Tuesday. The website, TonyPerkins.com. You know, as we close out this year, I want to ask you to consider partnering with FRC as we prepare for even bigger challenges and opportunities in 2024 by making a timely tax-deductible year-end gift today. With your help, we'll be positioned and ready to counter the left's radical, big-government, pro-abortion, pro-LGBT agenda. And right now, you can actually take advantage of a $1 million year-end challenge grant to double your partnership. Everything you give will be doubled if you call us today. We've got folks standing by to take your call, 800-225-4008. That's 800-225-4008. We couldn't do this without you. And I'm so grateful for supporters all across this country that are standing with us as we defend faith, family, and freedom here in our nation's capital. Well, earlier today, Coach Tommy Tuberville of Alabama, who's been on this program many times, for the last nine months, he's been trying to hold the Biden administration accountable for their unilateral decision to fund, facilitate abortion with taxpayer funds. Now, how they're doing that is they're giving men and women and women in the military time off. They would think men as well, but to give women time off to travel and to obtain an abortion and take time off to recover from that. Now, that's facilitating abortion. They'll travel to another state, they'll be gone, but they wouldn't do the same for a member of the military who had a death in the family or some other issue. That's in violation of the federal law. So there's two issues here. One, we have an administration that is seeking at every turn to advance and promote abortion, but also thumbing its nose at the law. This is what uh, Senator Tuberville had to say earlier this afternoon. I'm releasing everybody. I still got a hold on, I think, 11 four-star generals. Everybody else is completely released from me. Now, somebody else might. I think some, there's a few other people got holds on one or two or three people. But other than that, it's over. So it's, it's over from the standpoint of these holds, and I'm going to talk, with, talk to Senator Tuberville's staff. I'm going to talk with him early, later tonight. Uh, he's taken a, a valiant stand, but here's the reason he's... he's um, He's letting go of all of these other promotions, about 400, about 400 in total, is because his Republican colleagues, many of them are not standing with him. Not all, not all, but many are not because they just want this thing to go away. But he was taking a stand, as I said, for the unborn and for the rule of law. Now, this issue still 
still is at the center of discussion with the National Defense Authorization Act. We've talked about that on the program frequently. But there is still a provision in the NDAA that prohibits the government from facilitating abortions with taxpayers' money. Now, this is a, the, 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 the Senate doesn't want this, Senate Democrats, uh, but the House, as I mentioned last week, the, Senate, uh, the House leadership has said they will not entertain the NDAA without that language. So this issue is not over, only the holds on those military promotions. Well, I want to move on. Uh, According to investigators from the House Subcommittee on Weaponization of the Federal Government, undercover FBI agents infiltrated a Catholic church and even questioned a priest and a choir director, all in a quest to root out potential terrorism. All right? Going to church now would make you a terrorist. Investigators say the FBI, quote, singled out Americans who are pro-life, pro-family, and support the biological basis for sex and gender distinction as potential terrorists, end quote. Join me on to discuss this and more. Senator Josh Hawley from Missouri, who questioned FBI Director Christopher Wray regarding this earlier today at a Senate Judiciary Committee hearing. He serves on four Senate committees, including the Senate Homeland Security Committee and the Senate Judiciary Committee. He joins us by phone. Senator Hawley, welcome back to Washington Watch. Thank you so much for having me. All right. We played your clip earlier of part of your exchange with uh, Director Ray. Uh, any, any resolution, any response, any defense that he gave of the FBI going in undercover into churches? Well, I think the big thing, Tony, is that, number one, it contradicts his earlier testimony that the FBI doesn't do this. He said, oh, no, we don't go to priests. We don't go to pastors. We don't. We don't go to staff members and talk about people who come to church. That turns out to be totally false. In fact, they do do those things. The other big thing, Tony, is that he hasn't fired anybody. So on the one hand, he wants to say, oh, this was terrible. The FBI shouldn't target churches, and and really we don't, and and now it's all over with. And when you say, okay, what have you done about it? Have you fired the people who did this? The answer is no. His his response to me was, well, we put a note admonishing them into their HR file. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. It is a grotesque abuse of the FBI's authority. It is an abuse, I believe, of the First Amendment. And to have the FBI director just shrug it off, first try to deny it, and then shrug it off, tells you a lot about the dangers to religious liberty in this country right now. So, Senator, what could possibly be the rationale or justification to go in and begin questioning priests and, and even a choir director? Well, their rationale is as chilling as their actions. Their rationale is is that our churches are breeding grounds for potential domestic terrorists, that our churches are hotbeds of racially and ethnically motivated violence. That's how this thing all got started, is the FBI field office in Virginia wrote up a memo where they said a whole bunch of these quote-unquote traditional Catholic churches are potential breeding grounds for racial and ethnic violence. Now, think about that. I mean, think about that when you go to church this Sunday, that the FBI thinks that if you go to a traditional church, in their words, that you may be a racially or ethnically motivated violent person. I mean, it's just offensive and dangerous from beginning to end, Tony, and that's why we've got to expose it and we've got to stop it. The the House committee uncovered through the whistleblower that they, the FBI, abused its counterterrorism tools to target Catholic Americans. Do we need to reevaluate what tools they have legal access to? 
Yes, absolutely we do. We absolutely do. We need to reevaluate a lot that's going on at the FBI, beginning at the very top. Chris Ray should have been fired a long time ago. If he had any decency, he would resign. The fact that he has presided over now the targeting of Christians from various walks of life and various denominations, the unifying principle is if you are pro-life, if you are pro-family, and if you're willing to stand up for it, you may get an FBI SWAT team at your door. You may get an FBI informant in a pew next to you at church. You may have your pastor questioned. This is a pattern now under him at the FBI, and he hasn't done anything about it. He has blessed it, in fact, and he needs to resign for it. You're absolutely right. He needs to go, but we need a total overhaul of the FBI, the DOJ. Senator, thanks so much for joining us. Great to talk with you. Have a Merry Christmas. Same to you. Thanks for having me. All right. Senator Josh Hawley of Missouri. All right, don't go anywhere. We're going to be going back to Capitol Hill for women's sports next here on Washington Watch. Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clawson, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be discipling their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroic faith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroic faith. This is Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. Good to have you with us. The website is TonyPerkins.com. Lots of resources there for you. Be sure and uh, check it out. By the way, we're going to have some uh, some new resources for our next journey through the Bible, uh, which starts in January, our Stand on the Word Bible reading plan. And so uh, stand by for that. I, I invite you to consider now joining us on this two-year journey through the Bible. The, the reports we've gotten back from those that have been a part of it are quite frankly astounding. The Word of God is powerful, and I encourage you uh, to be in the Word of God each and every day, and we make it easy for you in our two-year journey through the Bible. As I said, I'll have more information uh, later this week on that. Well, just a couple of hours ago, the House Oversight Committee's Subcommittee on Health Care and Financial Services 
held a hearing on the importance of protecting female athletes and Title IX. Now, testimony from former NCAA swimmer Riley Gaines and others examined the harm that would come from Biden, the Biden administration's proposed rule changes to Title IX to redefine the definition of sexual discrimination to include gender identity. Now, knowing the left's commitment to the LGBTQ God, part of its unholy trinity that includes climate and abortion, the Biden administration is unlikely to relent. But that doesn't mean we need to be quiet as Americans. I think the American public is not happy with what they see, and I think they're starting to step up to the plate, so to speak. Joining me now to discuss this is NCAA volleyball player Macy Petty. Macy, welcome back to Washington Watch. Hey, thank you so much for having me. You know that it takes courage to speak out on these topics. Uh, You've done so. Your reaction to Riley's testimony today? I think that Riley did a fantastic job today. Um, she obviously went in with so much confidence, um, which we know only comes from the Lord. I know that I was among many who were praying for her just that she could uh, relay truth and light into Congress. And I think that's exactly what she did. She went in with a clear message and and simply said, we cannot keep um, elevating this, ident- this inclusion message and leave behind so many female athletes who have been fighting their entire lives to be collegiate athletes, to be high school athletes. Um, and, and this message that they keep pushing is is definitely reversing the clock 50 years and, and going against the original intent of Title IX. Well, I saw your post earlier today encouraging people to pray for, for Riley as she uh, testified. Tell us about your experience competing against a biological male athlete. I did. I did have to compete against a male athlete who uh, the rule makers allowed on a female, what was supposed to be a female only volleyball team because he identified as transgender and then was therefore exempt from basic rules of sports. Uh, When the rule makers ignored the basic uh, biological differences, they ignored the fact that, you know, women's volleyball nets are over seven inches shorter than men's volleyball nets. Um, Simple things like that, that acknowledge the differences between sexes and allow us to also pursue athletic excellence. But in ignoring that, they allowed this male athlete to play on a net over seven inches shorter than he should have, as well as use uh, so many biological advantages against us as female athletes. And at this point of my life, I was trying to compete in front of recruiters for an athletic and uh, academic scholarship one day. I mean, given that, I mean, I could actually, maybe I could be good at volleyball if, uh, you know, had to play by different rules. It, it's I not know. Can you imagine being seven inches taller? I mean, right. I mean, it, it's not fair to, to the women. It also, it's a violation of women's private spaces. Answer this question, Macy, as you spoke out, what kind type of reception did you get? Well, I mean, among female athletes, nobody wants to have to go up to that court and wonder if they're going to have to face the embarrassment of their um, ability to play on a fair playing field, be stripped of that because of somebody's preference to play on a girls team rather than according to their biological sex. Uh, That's not something that anyone has to face. And so it's been well received among other female athletes. But I think something that has been increasingly clear to me is that this is a spiritual battle and that this Mm -hmm. is a war on 
um, the creation and the creator himself and uh, an attack on what it means to be male and female. And that's something that I've been um, exposed to more and more just in seeing the violence and hostility against the opposition. Um, and so thankfully, I've seen more and more people lean into the word of God and just um, the confidence that he can bring throughout the fight. Well, Macy, that's so insightful because I think you are absolutely right. We cannot understand this apart from the spiritual battle that is raging. And I think this whole transgender thing is is the, I want to say the height, at least at what we've seen thus far in rebellion toward God, saying, you, you didn't make me. I'm declaring who I am myself. I absolutely agree. And you can see um, these different bodies of people, whether it be the presidential administration trying to to grasp the authority of God, which um, we know that they have no no ability to take from him, but they're trying to and saying that, no, we're the arbiters of gender. We're the, we can decide who we want to be. We can create our own bodies. Um, and that's simply not true. Those are God dictates um, God dictates gender. God designs people so intentionally, and that's not something that we can ever even try to replicate. Macy, I want to thank you not only for joining us today and uh, sharing your experiences and, and commenting on, on Raleigh's testimony, but for your courage and your clarity that you've provided and being a role model uh, to other uh, young women all across America. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. I appreciate everything you're doing. All right. Macy Petty, um, you know, folks, this is the kind of thing that gives you, should encourage you, is that there are young men and women all across this country that are willing to stand for truth at great risk of rejection, of hostility. And so you need to do the same. You need to provide examples of courage and boldness for these young people. They're just looking for it, and they'll do it. So proud of these young folks. All right, coming up, 90 hours of January 6th Capitol security footage has been released so far by House Speaker Mike Johnson. What's so important about that? I'm going to talk with Andy Biggs, Congressman of Arizona, next. Don't go away. Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clawson, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be discipling their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, 
and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroic faith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroic faith. Men are constantly told that there is no place for their thoughts and concerns about abortion. However, this attitude ignores the fact that both women and men are deeply and personally affected by abortion. Furthermore, one does not have to be a woman to know that abortion ends the life of an innocent, unborn child. Every man has a role to play in protecting unborn lives and supporting the mothers in their families and greater community, which is why FRC's Center for Human Dignity has released a resource titled A Man's Guide to Standing for Life. This resource was created to help men positively address the topic of life. This guide will equip men with phrases to utilize or avoid, as well as practical tips for helping to protect life and the expectant mother or unborn child he knows. Every man has the opportunity to be an unborn baby's hero by stepping in to support a mother and speaking up for her child's life. Get this free guide at frc.org slash men to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. It is. It is beginning to look a lot like Christmas. It's getting a little cooler, but you know what? Folks are a little friendlier, at least in most places. Well, as we close out this year, I want to invite you to join FRC in preparing for an even bigger year next year. I mean, it's going to be an election year. The battles are going to be intense, but the opportunities are going to be great as well. And so I want to invite you to to partner with us by making a timely tax-deductible year-end gift today. We receive no government money. We're not funded like the NPR by the government. We're funded by folks like you all across this nation who care about faith, about family, about our freedom. So let me ask you, will you help us? Will you help us be positioned and ready to counter the left's radical big government pro-abortion, pro-LGBT agenda? Right now, you can take advantage of a $1 million year-end challenge grant that will double your partnership. We have members of our team standing by to take your call. They'd love to talk with you. Give them a call, 800-225-4008. That's 800-225-4008. Last month, in a show of transparency... With the American people, House Speaker Mike Johnson released 90 hours of security footage taken throughout the January 6th event at the Capitol. But this represents a mere fraction of the more than 40,000 hours of footage that Speaker Johnson announced he would release. It's going to be released in uh, bits and pieces over the next few months. Well, earlier today, he told reporters that additional personnel had been hired to go through the footage, working on blurring out faces so individuals aren't retaliated against or targeted by the DOJ. When the full video is available, what will Americans learn by Speaker Johnson's efforts at government transparency? What have partisans been hiding? And what will the full footage tell us about the January 6th committee's selective use of the footage to paint a particular narrative about the incident for which more than 1,000 Americans face federal charges? Joining me now to discuss this, Congressman Andy Biggs. He serves on the House Judiciary Committee and the House Oversight and Accountability Committee. He represents the 5th Congressional District of Arizona. Congressman Biggs, welcome back to Washington Watch. Thanks, Tony. Good to be with you. You've been tracking this for a while. I mean, you've been on this. You've been tracking this. 
What do we know? What, 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 does this, uh, what do we know thus far from the footage that's been released? Well, what most people have seen that they didn't get to see is uh, the almost cooperative nature sometimes between Capitol Police and the people coming in. You saw many people order uh, with order and decorum walking through the, the building, uh, many of them staying within actually the red velvet ropes in both the rotunda and the statuary hall. Uh, you saw uh, just generically big crowds, people coming in. Uh, and that's that's kind of what you've seen in the 90 hours or so that have been released. Um, you've seen, you haven't seen people with weapons. Uh, you haven't seen people with guns or knives. Uh, what you've seen are people with flags, signs, posters walking through, uh, and that's what that's what this video to, uh, video that's been released reveals. Now, I've I've actually had a chance to be I've watched many many additional hours of video um, long before uh, this this was ever released. Well, let me ask you about that, Congressman Biggs. Is it your impression, based upon what you've seen? both what's been released publicly, what will be released publicly, according to the commitment of uh, Speaker Johnson, that the January 6th committee intentionally presented a selectively edited, misleading account to the public? Yes, Tony, uh, very much so. Um, I mean, they I have seen uh, the areas where there were, was violence and there was just really there were really two areas where that was taking place. And so I've seen that. Um, and and those people, they they had a problem, and and uh, many of them have been prosecuted. But by and large, the vast majority are, are wandering through the the Capitol, um, and uh, are peaceful. It is it is uh, it is as our Democrat friends would always say, a mostly peaceful demonstration. But we know the J six committee cherry picked it, so they would always show. Uh, the violent uh, rough edges of of the event that took place that day. So that's one thing. Then you know that that they had this malevolent intention because we have learned uh, just this past uh, week as well that uh, Cassidy, they allowed Cassidy Hutchins basically to uh, rework her whole testimony uh, from what it originally was. And then the third thing is, uh, Benny Thompson, who is the chairman of the J6 committee, he he basically threw out videotapes, videos of depositions. So so we don't have those. We can't get a hold of those. So you don't really know how much tinkering was going on. But certainly you have a good reason to suspect there were subst substantial amounts of tinkering going on by the J6 committee. Um in and of itself. Now, I've I've talked to several individuals in, more involved in this than I have been. I've watched it from a distance. But some say that this footage could provide evidence that there were federal agents that were kind of seeding the crowd to, to at least the portions that were violating the law to move into the Capitol. Have you seen any evidence of that? What I have seen is you will see occasionally um, in, in the violent areas, you'll see one or two people that were kind of um, instigators. They were trying to throw gas on the fire and and causing a great deal of havoc. 
But don't forget, Tony, that the the former Capitol Police chief himself said there were uh, uh, lots and lots, I think is the term he used, of federal agents amongst the uh, and uh, and also some local Leos were in amongst the crowds that day, lots of them. And he said far more than they've admitted or or uh, will admit to. And, you know, we've had uh, Director Ray, director of the FBI, and he won't acknowledge that there were uh, federal agents in the crowd and nor would he tell us how many federal agents were in the crowd. Do you think, Congressman Biggs, that this narrative that was created by January 6th committee, focusing on those, as you pointed out, those two areas where there was violence, of which we've we've you know spoken out, we shouldn't be having that kind of stuff. It's wrong to be to, to do that. But has that narrative that was created been used to provide cover for those that have, I mean, we've imprisoned, we've charged a thousand Americans. I mean, when you juxtapose that to what happened in the summer of 2020, when we burnt down, uh, we saw cities all all across America burned down and nothing happened. Yeah, it's, it's, to me, they crafted a narrative. They worked with the media. They worked with the weaponized federal police uh, apparatus and surveillance apparatus and they they actually did an amazing job stigmatizing it, calling it an insurrection. Uh, it was not an insurrection. It was a mostly peaceful protest with a few rioters that got out of hand. Yeah, That's, insurrection. There's an insurrection where you have weapons and you try to take over a government. Yeah, an insurrection means you're t- literally you're trying to execute a coup d'état. Right. And and you can't execute a coup d'état with Trump and MAGA signs. <laughs> And, and flags. I mean, that just doesn't happen. Um, was there some violence that went on? Yeah, um, of course there was. And, and it should never have happened. But the bottom line is, these people didn't come in uh, prepared to try to execute a coup d'etat. Right. It just didn't happen. And to call it an insurrection and then, and then work with the media and then with the uh, corrupt J6 committee it was disgusting to see happen, but you now have people, and, and the, the U.S. attorney uh, for the District of Columbia says he wants to get uh, another 1,000 or 1,200 people and to go after them as well. And these are people that are, their lives are ruined and shattered now because they've been prosecuted, um, and some some were just absolutely in the wrong place at the wrong time. They, they committed a trespassing offense and they should have been treated as someone who, you know, trespassed, right. which in most places is a small fine and maybe an unsupervised period of probation for three months or something like that. It's not putting them in prison or in jail like these overzealous, ridiculous partisan prosecutors have done. I want to turn now to uh, something else you're working on. But today, Christopher Wray, FBI director, was in the Senate uh, Judiciary Committee, uh, and he called for the reauthorization of the government's surveillance tools that they've been using, Section 702 of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act. Uh, Why would we give them a reauthorization. And I understand I've, I've seen the unclassified briefings of how they use this to go after foreign threats. 
But how can we trust this FBI and this Department of Justice based on what we were just talking about? And this is just the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, it's hard to to reward um, the federal police and surveillance apparatus uh, by continuing this. Um, The reason that you have to, in my opinion, you have to do something with 702 is because um, uh, former leaders have told us, and I'm talking about of the police apparatus, have said, well, we feel constrained by by 702. If if 702 is gone, we will have no constraints at all, which is kind of even scarier, Tony, when you think about that. So um, what we what we've said is if you're going to start looking at U.S. persons communications data, you need to have a warrant. Uh, And uh, we think that's rational and reasonable. And if if you violate it, we think that there should be punishments, uh, the criminal penalties and civil sanctions. Um, And we also say that there should be a more zealous um, independent advocate that we call an amicus. To, to make sure that these things go and that the, the Congress, the, the oversight, the, we have constitutional oversight over these programs. We should be allowed to come in. Um, you already have the judicial branch and you have the executive branch. Let's have the, let's have the legislative branch to be able to come in and to any uh, FISA court proceeding and see what goes on to make sure that, that um, America's Americans' rights are being protected. Well, isn't that um, the role of Congress to provide oversight to the executive branch and the judicial? I mean, isn't that a part of the checks and balances? Absolutely. And, and so so my bill does that. It, it, it does all the things that I'm, I'm telling you and and even more. Um, it, the idea is to to. Basically, put the handcuffs on the federal government so they don't abuse the rights of American citizens yet uh, recognizing that they need to surveil these foreign threats and these foreign individuals. But what they're going to tell you is they're trying to scare people out. Oh, no, uh, we're going to miss these terrorist I, things. But that, I, I never, I never, I look, I, I worked in anti-terrorism before. I, when I came out of the Marine Corps, I was in law enforcement. And so I, I don't take this lightly in what I'm about to say. I don't say lightly. But I've come to a point where I'm actually I have greater fear of my own government than I do of a terrorist threat externally. Yeah, and that's and it's justified. I mean, it's everything from what's going on the border today to uh, the the infiltration and maybe even of the J six folks. Um, it is countless, countless surveillance uh, operations uh, of of American citizens without warrants that are in violation of the of the own standards that were set by the the FBI, um, the NSA, and the, the the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court. I mean, all these things going on indicates pretty clearly that you have to have a check and a watchdog over the federal government today. Uh, the, the, with what has been uncovered since 2016 and how a lot of this was used against President Trump and how we're, we're each, it's just like almost every month we're finding out something new. I mean, we were just talking earlier with Senator Hawley about the uncovering of more of how the Catholic Church was being targeted by the FBI. So, Congressman, before we run out of time, your bill, what is the, the name of it, the status? Are we going to see this move to the House floor? I hope so. Um, uh, it is 
the bill is going to be heard in Judiciary Committee this week. And we're going to pass, I believe we'll pass it out. It will be a bipartisan bill. It has support bicamerally. So we have senators that support this on both, both from, you know, whether it's Senator Wyden or Senator Lee and others on both sides of the aisle. Um, and it is, I, I knew you were going to ask me this. We don't really have a clever name for this, uh, uh, but it is to protect liberty and individual rights. Yeah, it's a pr- Protect Liberty and In Warrantless Surveillance Act. It's, yeah. it's kind of a. Um, what yeah. can people do to. They should let their members of Congress and their U.S. senators know that they support this bill. There will be intelligence community to do very little um, and actually to actually expand in some areas powers that have already expired. So we really do need the, the public to support that uh, and by doing that. But I would tell you that it's important to also let Speaker Johnson, Mike Johnson, know that that you support this bill um, because this bill is going to actually preserve and protect our rights Mm -hmm. and actually constrain uh, the federal government. All right. We're going to put this on the website. And then as you have the hearing next week, we'll follow back up with you. Uh, Congressman Andy Biggs, always great. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Tony. Appreciate it very much. And folks, thank you for joining us as well. This is the Protect Liberty and End Warrantless Surveillance Act. Uh, You can contact your members of Congress about that. We'll have information. Thanks so much for joining us. And until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul. He says, when you've done everything you can do, prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at one 866 372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.